Welcome to the Better Birth Podcast. My name's Erin and I'm a hypnobirthing and antenatal instructor, birth activist and all-round birth geek. In this podcast, I chat to experts in the field of pregnancy and birth, debunking myths around birth, diving into the research around maternity care and exploring what is it that means you're more likely to have a positive birthing experience. If you enjoy this podcast, do feel free to buy me a coffee and fund my caffeine habit. Link to my buy me a coffee page is in the podcast info. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Better Birth Podcast. I am back today with the wonderful Kelly Sawyer, who is a midwife and now a lecturer at Greenwich University. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you for having me again. (laughs) I feel like I'm hanging around like a bad smell. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have you back repeatedly because I just want everything that comes out of your mouth. So you're like a regular fixture on my podcast now. I love that. I'll take that. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... We're going to talk about individualised care plans today, aren't we? We are. That's the plan. Um, and I thought, I mean, there's like a million things that we could talk about. And I'm, de- I'm going to have you back on again uh, to speak about other things as well. But I thought this was quite a nice one to talk about because I don't think that people know what an individualised care plan is or why you might want to ask for one um, and how you ask for one. So I want to answer all of those questions in today's episode. So do you want to start off by talking about what an individualised care plan is? Yeah, so it's it's what it says on the tin, really. It is an individualised or personalised care plan. So it's tailored to an individual. And I think it's really important when we're thinking about an individualized care plan we have to sort of think about or go backwards if you like and think about why that would be needed and what is going on in the NHS at the moment so if we think back in history and we think back not too long ago to sort of the 40s 50s 60s birth very much took place in the home it was um, facilitated by midwives who worked out in the community they were a staple part of their community everybody knew them they knew everyone so they were able to give personalized care because they knew those people on an individual level they would often look after the same women and families through lots of different pregnancies um, so they would know how that woman labored what would what was good for her bad for her what she wanted during pregnancy what she needed for infant feeding for example they knew all of that stuff just intrinsically because they were a part of that community then bring on the 1970s and we had the pill report which basically said that every everyone should birth in hospital and we saw this huge seismic change where birth became very institutionalized and we are now still in that position now in the 2020s where birth very much predominantly occurs um in in hospitals um and that has really um, sort of dampened personalised care for two ways. So one, we've lost that continuity of carer that we had back um, in those times. So we care is much more fragmented. Care is arranged to suit the needs of the service, not to suit the needs of families. Um, so you you will often or often hear people say that they are every time they go to an antenatal clinic, they see a different midwife every time. When they're in labour, they're looked after by a couple of different people, depending on whether they're there for a shift change or not. So they might be looked after by two, three, four different midwives. Um, And then they have different people afterwards as well when the baby's born. So we've lost that sense of community. We've lost that sense of um, that continuity of carer and just intrinsically knowing somebody inside and out and being able to tailor the care that we give as professionals to that. 
The second part of that is that we've, with institutionalisation, the, the, the way in which midwives work has changed. So midwives are now employed by NHS institutions or private institutions, um, and they have um, certain things that they have to do and um, as part of being an employee. So that's where we see the rise of guidelines um, coming up. So guidelines used to be or should be a useful tool to help professionals um, to just guide them in certain situations. But what we're seeing now more of, and I know you had Claire Feely on the podcast um, a little while ago who talked, talked a lot about this um, in her brilliant book. If you haven't read it, go and read it. Yeah. Um, about the fact that we now have guideline focused care or guideline centered care where actually we are dictating to women and birthing people what they should and shouldn't do um, because we're frightened of litigation and that's another thing that we've seen with the over the years with this increase in institutionalized birth is we've seen this real sort of Americanized if you like culture of, of litigation and that's really really gone on the up so now professionals are frightened of doing something which um, may put them in quote-unquote trouble and that's also sadly because we do have a bit of a blame culture within the NHS. There's lots of, of um, people who would argue otherwise, um, but I still feel that there is a lot of, you know, professionals, individual professionals are penalised for when things go wrong. And don't get me wrong, so there are some situations where that absolutely is correct, but a lot of the time things go wrong in maternity care because of wider systemic um, cultural issues within a trust. Um, so that's where we've sort of lost our way a little bit. So the NHS are really pushing for everybody to have personalised care. And there've been a lot of um, legislations and policies that they've brought out sort of really pushing and not just in maternity, across healthcare and social care in um, general about looking more towards taking that back, that personalised care approach. So um, the Better Births document came out in 2016, which was released by NHS England, and the they, they have their building blocks to what could be considered quality and safe care. And their first element of that is that care should be personalised. And I don't know if many people are aware of that, because I think some trusts have, have really come a long way in, in, in making improvements. But I think with things like Ockenden, with the Kirkup report that we've had in the last couple of years, we've taken a bit of a back step. But what Better Births essentially says is that each woman should have the opportunity to have a dynamic personalised care plan, which starts from when they first present to maternity services, when they're very, very first pregnant, all the way up until they're discharged from that service when their baby's about a month roughly old. Um, so that should be a constant conversation that happens with the healthcare professionals, with that birthing person, and it is constantly updated and changed because we all change our minds about things. Things change, things happen, decisions are made and decisions are changed and that's okay. And that conversation should be completely ongoing from start to finish. That's one thing. So as much as we'll talk about the sort of specific reasons why someone might want a more tailor-made and specialist personalised care plan, but ultimately everybody's care should be personalised from day dot. And there are some trusts up and down the country, I can only speak for the UK because that's where I'm based, but there are a lot of trusts who are trying to make strives to sort of follow and, and adhere to this NHS guidance. So you will find some personalised care plan booklets or apps um, that some trusts are rolling out for, for women and people to, to access 
where they can start thinking about their preferences um, to, throughout the whole childbirth continuum. And I think it's a really good start that it's opening up those conversations and letting people know that at every single step of the way, they have choice. Um, because I think as well, we also, when we're talking about personalised care and personalised care plans, we get very fixated about labour and birth. But actually, there are so many choices all the way through pregnancy. Someone may not want scans. They may not want certain screening tests for their baby or or uh, blood tests they may not want some of that they might not want to see a midwife or a doctor during their pregnancy they might want to go to a hospital that's not actually their nearest hospital and that's okay too so there are lots of things that I don't think we make people very aware of during pregnancy that they can choose it almost feels like it's mandatory that you have all of these things but it's really not and very insane for after the baby's born. So um, someone may not want a health visitor, for example, or they may not want a midwife coming around to do home visits. Or conversely, they may want more home visits because perhaps they struggled with breastfeeding last time or their mental health last time, for example. Um, you don't even have to justify it. If that's what you want, that should be a conversation that's had way from the very beginning. So that's the first thing. The second really crucial part that Better Birth say about personalised care is that women and people should have unbiased information so that they can make really, really good quality decisions about themselves and about their care. And I think, again, that's where we've started to fall down when we're thinking about this guideline focused care that we've really sort of got stuck in a bit of a rut with at the moment in the NHS. Really, really important that those conversations are had and that they are unbiased and nobody feels coerced into making a decision. It should always be about what you as a pregnant person needs and wants in terms of their care. And that then when we're thinking about birth, everyone should be able to choose, like I said, exactly where they birth their baby. So it could be somebody, somewhere that's not local to them or, or within their, their borough, if that's what they want. Um, and also choice of place of birth. So your provider should offer, I'm saying you're like you're pregnant. I'm sure you're not pregnant, Erin. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm don't not. <laughs> don't want to out you. <laughs> oh God, no, that would be a shock. No, not pregnant. <laughs> Each trust should offer options for place of birth. So they should have a home birth service. They should have a obstetric labour ward if that's what you want. They should hopefully have a birth centre that might be attached as part of the main hospital or it could be a separate building away from the hospital. Um, but those options should be there. So I think for some people, it might feel like a bit of an overwhelming amount of information that they have to sift through. And it really is. And that's why I'm quite pleased that some of these personalised care plans are coming into fruition where, you know, it's it's broken down. It's a it's a start, you know, of, of getting you to start thinking about things. And of course, we're not asking any pregnant people to, to do a midwifery degree or an obstetrician degree <laughs> um, to have their baby. But I think, I mean, anyone that follows your page or listens to this podcast is probably well aware that the importance of in, arming yourself with information and being able to express what you want and need when you when you feel able to do so because we are socialized particularly those of us that are socialized as women are very much socialized to be um to do as we're told and yeah. be quiet and be good girls and be subservient and I think it's very it feels very unnatural because we're also taught that the medical profession are all there to do their best for us and do the right thing and look after us and we, people put their trust wholly in in the, us as medical professionals and you know birth is very different it's not a medical event it's a social event and we need to remember that and I think we need to remind people that they have a voice and that their experience and their knowledge and their thoughts feelings and beliefs are equally as important as 
whatever qualifications we might have and the experience that we have you know we're a team and it should feel like a team yeah oh my god literally everything you say I'm just like I'm like a nodding dog my head's just going yep 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 I completely agree I mean this is why I have you on because I just think everything you say is just so so good and I agree entirely and I think it's so important isn't it to understand that you can you do have options and I think lots of us when we're pregnant um we don't we don't we don't think we have options or we just we just make that assumption that what the the obstetrician or the midwife says that's that's kind of the standard and that's that's what we do um and it, and every every pregnancy is unique you know every person is unique and therefore we need to think about individualizing that experience and the preferences and the plans of that in for that person because they are unique and you know to your point about you know having information and you know having unbiased conversations and I absolutely agree and you know that my my Instagram page and my social media is very you know research driven statistics and kind of giving the evidence so it may surprise people when I say this but that's not the be all and end all now, if you want to do something and it goes completely against the evidence and it's just because it's a gut instinct or it's your preference, that should be respected. You know, even if the midwife or the consultant is saying, you know, here's the research, here's the statistics, you have these risk factors, therefore we recommend X, Y, Z. It doesn't mean that you have to do it. You know, you can you can decide to do something else and that should be that should be respected, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think that's a really important point because we have moved towards this focus um, over the last sort of 10, 20 years about evidence-based care. And I absolutely agree um, that we shouldn't be offering services or interventions that aren't proven to be safe. Um, and so there are so much of that that I agree with. But I think what we've actually done by this is created a hierarchy of knowledge. So that evidence or yeah research evidence is sort of seen as the top um, of that hierarchy and like you said you know women and people's gut feelings their their thoughts their experiences their individual needs that tacit knowledge that that knowledge that comes from lived experience is pushed to the bottom of the pile and isn't respected quite to the same degree and that's where I think this unbiased information and this this sense of personalized care and having those dynamic conversations with people that you trust and and we should be having that continuity where possible because that's where these conversations thrive much better and, and again a lot of trust made a lot of big leaps towards continuity of care but again unfortunately with Ockenden we've again a lot of trusts have had to roll back that that service um but that having those conversations is really important and, and being able like we were saying to voice those opinions because for example we've seen this a lot in the maternal request cesarean section debate there's a, this very polarizing debate of people who are requesting cesarean section births when there's quote-unquote no medical um, reason to but a lot of these women come to us with a history of really bad anxiety they may have had a previous loss and don't want to get to their due date because they're terrified that the baby might die and that's why they want a cesarean section or they were abused as a child and they don't want to have intimate examination so they'd want to cut that out completely and go for a cesarean section or perhaps they you know their, their, their partner works three jobs and they're struggling with childcare, and they've got someone that can come and support them for a week two weeks perhaps they've got family abroad that can fly over and they want to time their birth 
so it they have the, the maximum amount of support possible. They don't want to wait for spontaneous labour. And as much as we as professionals may not agree with everything that people are asking for, doesn't mean that we should be the judge and juror of every single request or, or discussion that's had. And this is why, you know, these personalised care plans, they should be completely pregnant person led. Um, and we should just be there to hold their hand and guide, um, not coerce, not bully, not take down one lane or another. It should be, OK, you'd like a cesarean section for this reason. Can we talk about some of the reasons why that might not be a great idea? But let's talk about some of the reasons why it could be a good idea. Are you still happy to go ahead with that? Is that what works best for you? Because some people might, might not you know, want that sort of more difficult um, recovery. And if they find out that actually they'll they'll you know be quite sore and not able to drive their car for six weeks you know for a lot of people that's a big oh I didn't know that oh maybe I'm going to rethink that mm. you know and that's what we're there for to guide that conversation and to put in ideas that they may not have thought of but also it's for us to it's an active listening it's for us to take on board things that we might not have thought of and just think oh god I, I didn't I wouldn't have thought of it like that of course you need that support from your mum and she can only come for that that week so of course it makes sense you know it's about it being a two-way conversation and for women and people to not feel like what's important to them what matters to them is not important because that's not what we're here for or what we shouldn't be here for yeah so we talked about the fact that everybody should be getting individualized care and you know that's the kind of the holy grail I think of, of maternity care and planning but particularly people who have I'm doing air quotes here like risk factors or complications um I think a lot of people who are told that they have gestational diabetes or they are higher BMI or they are you know had a previous cesarean for example don't realize that they can request to speak to somebody and get a specific individualized care plan put in place because they don't want what potentially is recommended in the NICE guidelines. So do you want to talk a little bit about some of the circumstances and why someone might want to ask specifically for an individualised care plan? Yeah, sure. So this was a big part. This has been a big part of my career. I was a home birth midwife for a long time um, in South London. And we got had a lot of people that were requesting home births that were like not supported by local or national guidance. And you can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes again. Uh, <laughs> um, so there was a lot of that. I mean, I worked as a deputy consultant midwife. So again, this was a big, big part of my job. So like you said, there may be some people who are requesting something that's outside of local or national guidance. And again, that doesn't have to be specifically to birth. Like I was saying, it could be somebody that's requesting um, no scans, no blood tests, um, that sort of thing. Or it could be somebody that's requesting something for their birth that is perhaps outside of guidance. So like you were saying, somebody who had a previous cesarean section before may want a home birth or someone may not want vaginal examinations in labour, that sort of thing. So um, that, those sorts of requests can, can occur across the board. And for various different reasons, I would say that if you are thinking of something quite drastically outside of of guidance, I mean, first port of call is speak to your midwife or your obstetrician, whoever you are underneath. That's your first port of call. And they will hopefully be able to signpost you to a service that was within your trust. So a lot of trusts will have a consultant midwife um, who may run a clinic or may be able to offer bespoke appointments to talk about your preferences and to to help formulate your care plan together with you. Um, I know a lot of people also reach out to their um, heads of midwifery 
um, if they're struggling to sort of get support from their obstetrician um, or their midwife who they see out in community. So that's another port of call as well. Um, so you can ask for those contact details and you can email them or phone them directly if you want to have a chat about your preferences. Um, there's also um, situations where somebody needs a, um, individual, a specific targeted individualised care plan because of a certain condition. So I'm thinking um, what I've seen in the past is people that have had certain physical disabilities. So I remember um, supporting somebody who um, had cerebral palsy and had mobility issues to use a pool for her, for her birth. So that's something that definitely we would want some specialist input for. Um, and also certain mental health disorders. So um, there are some women that I've supported who have had a mental health team working around them. So they may have a psychiatrist or a mental health nurse and so or, or a perinatal mental health midwife. And they put together um, sort of a trauma-informed or a specific mental health care plan for that pregnancy, labour and, and um, birth and postnatal. So it may be that there are certain triggers for that person to, to see a deterioration in their mental health. So they'll have a specific care plan that's tailored to protecting them. And then they would have a separate birth plan, if you like, that would be thinking about, you know, do I want a physiological third stage? You know, the more the more um, sort of physical stuff. So they would have to. So they're the sort of um, ones that you would see. So if you think that that does apply to you, you know, again, speak to your midwife that you're that is looking after you and see what services and, and what is available in your trust, um, because this should be available to everybody. Because sadly, we are seeing that midwives are having less and less time to see you in the in, see women in the community. Um, appointments are getting shorter. They're more rushed. There's so much to cover in a sort of 15, 20 minute slot. So often the, the, the time just isn't there. Obviously, you can ask to book like a double slot if you think that you need that to talk about your birth preferences or your postnatal preferences or whatever it might be. Um, I think that's really important and that should definitely be something that they should be able to offer you. Um, but it might be that actually having that input from somebody more senior, a bit more experienced, might just be what you need in your specific circumstance. So it's always worth you know, writing out your preferences, having everything down on paper um, and putting it to your midwife and asking, you know, where do we go from here? Is there something that you can help me with and you can support me with or do I need to go elsewhere? And again, being very forthright in that decision. Mm. Um, and just making sure that you are heard and that you're not fobbed off, I think, is is the big takeaway. And, and then when you do have that care plan in place, making sure that it is accessible to everybody who looks after you. So if you do meet somebody new during pregnancy or afterwards or during labour and birth, you know, saying to them, I've got this care plan, I discussed it with so and so here it is in paper it's on my electronic record you can access it here here and here <laughs> I always say to people have have loads of copies of it printed out you know even laminate it if you want to so it doesn't go anywhere um and just always shoving it under the nose of everybody um that you come into contact with is really important yeah I say the same thing and people think I'm joking when I say laminate your birth plan but I'm deadly serious especially if you're having a water birth it's gonna get trashed right have several yeah um yeah absolutely it, I think one thing that I I hear quite often is um from clients is that they're going to see a consultant midwife or they've been told they need to see a consultant midwife to sign off on their birth um which like sits my teeth on edge because it's not a case of you of you being signed off and being given permission and the tick boxing what you want is it 
No, and that also boils my blood as well. Because I think, again, this comes back to that litigation, that fear that professionals have. So as great as it is that we have consultant midwives and they offer this service, um, I often feel that doctors and, and midwives will refer to these people to quote unquote pass the buck. You know, oh, it's, it's, it's the consultant midwife's neck on the line if something goes wrong, not me. You know, there's always this pushback. And this this notion of signing off anything that you've asked for just again um, just belittles and infantilizes women and people's choices. You know, you have a brain. You're an adult. You've read you've read what you needed to read. Even if you don't want to read what you need to read, yeah, that's fine. And you still want to make that decision. That's completely on you and up to you. Um, you're not ill. You haven't got a broken arm. You know, you. This is a social event. This is a normal physiological process. And you have chosen whatever course of of action that you've chosen, and that should be respected. You know, we're not here to. We're not your teacher. We're not your mum we're not here to tell you what you can and can't do and I think again that's where the NHS or, or not everybody I mean I don't want to tie everyone with the same brush there are some fantastic doctors and midwives that I've worked with who who really really support personalized care but it, it, it comes down to fear that people will say no you can't have that you're not allowed that um that kind of mentality it is just so infantilizing and it's not helpful um and it just again reminds people like I said, particularly people that have been socialised as women, to shut up, do as they're told, do what the doctor's telling you, do what the midwife's telling you to do, be a good girl, be quiet, you know, all of that kind of attitude is so damaging. And then what happens is we we feed this all the way through this attitude all the way through pregnancy and labour. I'm getting into a rant now, sorry. We we feed this, shut up, do as you're told, do as you're told, be quiet, we're, we know what we're doing, you don't know what you're doing. And then, you know, that's the the way that we treat women all the way through pregnancy and then they birth their baby and go home and we're like bye and then we're expecting these people to parent their children in a in a psychologically safe way and we haven't created that psychologically safe space for them to feel empowered and confident in themselves and their and their opinions and their beliefs and we have sent them off on their way to to do what is the hardest job in the world with 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 that mentality and, and no support and that's why we're seeing so much trauma you know 30 it's something like 30,000 women and people per year suffer with birth trauma yeah. um and um you know postnatal depressions on the rise you know we're, we're seeing this really toxic cycle all because we're scared of being sued yeah. <laughs> and I'm probably going to get a come forth for that for saying <laughs> that but, um, but, but that's truth it's the truth. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm, I say it all the time that a lot of, a lot of the guidelines and policy and, and you know, even people's opinions uh, and advice come from defensive practice, you know, that's, and I get asked all the time by clients, you know, but why is, why, if, if it doesn't make sense, if birth works like this and the hospital wants to do it like that, why do they, why, why, why would they suggest something when it is counterintuitive to progressing birth? And ultimately it comes down to defensive practice mm -hmm. a lot of the time. Um, it's just, it's just the sad, it's the sad fact of, of the current state of the NHS, not just for maternity care with probably everything, you know, when it, when it comes to, to healthcare. Yeah, it's true. And like you said, you know, it's about being questioning. Like I said, I, I don't want people to feel the whole burden is on them. You know, we are doing our best and we are trying. We, you know, we want you to be happy and have a good experience and, and come out of this healthy and happy and ready to parent your child. We absolutely do. Um, 
but I think that we we're just in a bit of a weird place at the moment. And you you pointed out really um, eloquently on one of your posts about the fact that the Royal College of Obs and Gynies guidelines, you know, such a small proportion of them are based on the highest quality evidence. Yet we are beating everyone with the same stick. <laughs> it's like, but you can't you can't prove this to me because this like nine to twenty percent or something is is based on on actual evidence mm. like really really good quality evidence the rest of it is like expert opinion which which essentially means nothing yeah. um it's it's very very frustrating yeah so if someone does come up against um difficulty of getting their their preferences um respected and implemented what would you suggest as the next step? Because I suspect that is the case for 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 some people that they they kind of go through this and they don't they don't get the uh, the kind of preferences uh, that they that they want. I mean, firstly, I would recommend that people uh, communicate their choices as early as they possibly can because there might be some things that we can do to just help safety net those decisions. So, for example, um, I supported somebody who wanted a home birth who was very, very high risk of a hemorrhage, um, and so we did quite we did her bloods like quite regularly, kept a very, very close eye on her iron levels. She modified her diet um, very, very early on in her pregnancy to increase the amount of iron that she was taking on. She took supplements as well. So we did everything that we could to build up her iron level ready for her birth. So there are things like that that can be done if those conversations are had early enough. I appreciate that often it's a spur of the moment decision or you know you change your mind and you want something different. So it's not always possible, but where you can do. Um, the second thing I would say is be very aware of the gatekeeper approach that you see in the NHS. So often you will communicate your preference to somebody and they'll say, oh, I've got to get you to speak to the consultant midwife. Yeah. Then you'll speak to the consultant midwife and it'll be, oh, I've got to get you to speak to the consultant obstetrician. Oh, I've got to get you to speak to our, our midwife in charge. Oh, I've got to get you to speak to... And what they're, what they're trying to do is, again, this is defensive practice. And this is, again, is a making sure, it's, it's us um, trying to make sure that you've had all of the information. But what is actually doing that's the intent behind it but what is actually happening is you get so bloody sick of hearing the same risks 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 um that you just say oh sod it I'll have that induction then fine I just want you to shut up and leave me alone or that you know they'll get you to say they'll they say to you oh you've got to come in every day for monitoring and every day that you have to traipse into the hospital they have the same conversations with you to the point where you're sick and tired of it and you agree to yeah. stuff that you don't want to so be very very mindful that as much as they those things come with good intentions that is the effect and if you're starting to feel like that say look do you know what can I just not speak to anybody today can I just have my CTG and go home or can I not come in tomorrow can I come in in a couple of days time I'll come in if I'm worried about something but until then I'm I'm all right that would be my other recommendation um the third thing like you were saying earlier having everything in writing having lots of copies of it putting it under the nose of everybody making sure that everybody is aware um, and that you're being very steadfast on your decisions um i'd also have like plan a plan b plan c i'd think about what you would want if you did have an instrument say it's about birth this is an instrumental birth for example what do you need in that scenario, if that was to happen, to make it a positive experience for you, if you were going to have a cesarean section, what would you need to make that a positive experience for you? Think about all of the options. Um, and I'd say is my fourth thing is really coach your birth partner on 
those things because if it is something specific to birth you need to be in your zone you need to be in your oxytocin filled lovely zone to labor and birth effectively you don't need to be having arguments with people or fights with people Mm. in that moment so that is where your birth partner or birth partners need to come in and have that fight for you to take the doctor or midwife out the room and say look actually this is we're not happy with that can we try something else you know and having that and also I also think that there's a lot to be said for having your birth partner say this midwife's not working for us can we have a different one you know that's also okay in the moment you know to say um this isn't working this relationship isn't working let's try something different Mm -hmm. that's fine too awkward and horrible I completely appreciate but this is your birth you're only going to do it a couple of times in your life they will live (laughs) they won't remember tomorrow they'll get pissed off in the moment they won't remember tomorrow you'll remember forever absolutely yeah so true I I would add to that list um and hopefully it doesn't happen but you know it does sometimes is if you are really coming up against you know kind of a a brick wall um, in terms of having your your preferences respected to speak to the head of midwifery or put a complaint into the head of midwifery. Yeah. Um, I would suggest getting a doula. I think that can yes. be a massive help. You know, your doula can come to your antenatal appointments, even if it's just the the emotional support and they're just a silent partner there to help you and, and give you confidence. But they can also kind of remind you of, you know, what the what the research is, what the evidence is, or you know, speak up for you and just give you space and say, can we just step out the room for a minute and just have a chat and then decide you know what we want to do I think that's massively helpful um and you know last resort not last resort but you know if you really feel like you are really really struggling with getting getting you know um agreement is to speak to birthrights I think absolutely birthrights would be is is massively helpful as well they're a charity they're they're you know they, they provide free support uh, if somebody feels like they need that extra external, um, you know, um, advice and support to get their uh, their birth plans respected. Completely agree. Doulas are fantastic. Um, and yeah, birthrights are a brilliant resource. They've got their fact sheets as well um, that can just help you if it's specific to your circumstance that they're really, really useful. Um, they quote the human rights law, you know, that they are so thorough and so brilliant. And I think that's also an important point that I would say, you know, if someone is saying to you, no, you can't have a home birth because of your water birth because of your BMI. Why? Play ignorant. Mm-hmm. You know, do, do your research, do your reading, but play ignorant and say, why can't I? Oh, well, we can't get you out of the pool if there's an emergency. Well, what do you mean? What would what would you do then if uh, there was an emergency? What do you do with people with a normal BMI then? Why wouldn't that apply to me? You know, question, question, question. If they say to you, you know, there's a 1% chance of infection. Okay, well, that means there's a 99% chance that there isn't an infection. And it's about risk perception. We are all very different. For some people in some pregnancies, that 1% chance will be way too much and they'll, you know, do with whatever to to stop that from happening but for somebody else they might say do you know what I'm going to take my chances with 99% of it being fine I'm I'm okay with that you know so it's about really taking those numbers if asking for numbers if they don't give you numbers because often that's the case Mm. 
asking for the stats, asking to have time on your own to reflect and swallow and digest those stats. Don't make any rash decisions in the moment if you can help it. Again, I'm aware that a lot of this stuff crops up in neighbour and you do have to make a rash decision. But if you can have that time alone with your support network, be it your partner, your doula, whoever it might be, taking that time away to digest, to do a little bit more extra reading, to have a bit more of a discussion and a thought about it. Think about the what the, the risks and the benefits um, and then coming back to make that decision you know where where you possibly can I think is also really important because language is so powerful and if someone is constantly pushing risk 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 and isn't saying to you that actually yeah there's a risk if you're at home and you're a v-back that you're going to have a scar rupture but there's a very big risk that if you're in hospital you're going to have you know the same thing happen to you or you're going to have continuous monitoring and that's going to mean that you're much more likely to end up in theater you know we have to own up and be honest about um the iatrogenic harm you know the harm that we cause in hospitals you know we've fed we've been fed this lie for decades that hospital is the safest place to have a baby and it's not um we all know it's not yeah. And the research backs us up with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we need to own our shit and be honest and say, you know, this is the pros, this is the cons, it's up to you. And we'll hold your hand and support you and guide you and keep you safe along the way. And that's what we're here to do. We're not here to bully, to scold, to tell you off, to penalise you. You saw you put up a beautiful, or very, very depressing um, story about um, you know people being penalised and being given substandard care because they have chosen something that the, the professional didn't agree with. That needs to end now. Yeah. Um, because you know we're, we're not a mandatory service we're an optional service you know people can choose to free birth and that's okay too and we shouldn't feel um this sense of entitlement over women's bodies and women's births and women's pregnancies you know that is not the point of us as healthcare professionals and you know there's there's just you know the lines have just got really really blurred and I just really want the power to be taken from us and put back in the hands of women and pregnant people because that's where it belongs yeah oh god my, my my head's gonna fall off my neck from all the nodding i've been doing <laughs> I, I totally agree uh, the 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 final thing that i would say is and this probably is like um you know last ditch attempt maybe is like you said earlier um lots of people don't realize that they have a choice where to give birth vote with your feet you know, if your hospital and, and your midwife and, you know, the, the team there are not going to support the kind of birth that you want, then if there is another hospital, an alternative hospital, which is, you know, feasible to consider in, in terms of distance wise, then vote with your feet, go, go to a different hospital, transfer your care, you're allowed to do that. I think a lot of people don't realise that you can do that. Yeah. Completely, 100% agree. You, you absolutely can. Um, for example, I was supporting somebody um, in my previous trust who wanted a, um, a physiological twin birth. There wasn't the expertise or the experience within that trust. So there was a neighbouring trust who were in the middle of a research trial. They had lots of really eminent um, figures in terms of twin birth. They were they were really, really on it. They, they were on point with their twin game. <laughs> And so we talked to her about transferring there and she transferred there. Um, so there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing that. You know, you don't have to be loyal and definitely don't be loyal to somebody that isn't respecting you or, or supporting you. <laughs> absolutely not. 
And it, again, it might not, like I said, with that scenario, it wasn't that we didn't want to support those choices. It was just that we we couldn't be confident in the ability and the experience of the practitioners that we had at that time. And, and that's, you know, again, that was us owning our shit mm. and saying, we just can't facilitate this. And we have to be honest with you and tell you that a lot of the doctors and midwives that we have working here at the moment have probably never seen a physiological twin birth and we need to to, to own that and we did and she respected that conversation and she went elsewhere yeah. um that's fine absolutely fine and I think you're very right I don't think people are aware of that and I think that's a really really important point to raise yeah so I, re- I really hope that people that have, have listened to this episode you know do realize that they can they can have the kind of birth that they want that they can request it that your your team your you know your your midwife your obstetrician should be working in partnership with you to help you achieve the birth that you deserve quite frankly because it's important it's too important you know and I I said this I think on the last podcast episode I recorded yesterday particularly first-time parents your first birth is not a practice run, you know, it's important, you know, um, so do the prep, do the research, do some antenatal education, make sure that you do get opportunity to discuss your, your birth preferences and your birth plans, because there are people who don't get the opportunity. And I think that's shocking. Um, and then make sure that literally everybody that you see has a copy of your birth preferences and that they are aware and that your birth partner is aware as well in summary because I think that's also really like you said earlier it's really really important your birth partner needs to be your advocate they need to be there to support you and know what your preferences are absolutely couldn't have said it better myself (laughs) well you did for the whole episode (laughs) I just summarized but you did you did amazing I'm thank you again Kelly for coming on and and chatting I will have you on again uh repeatedly um because you're like a standard feature now um (laughs) um, I really hope that everyone found the episode really helpful um and I'll make sure that we put some some links to various different resources and things in in the podcast bio just so that if anyone wants to do some further reading they can thank you so much Erin thank you for coming on thank you for having me bye bye The Better Birth Podcast and all of its content is for educational and informational purposes only. You should consult your midwife or your doctor for anything in relation to your own pregnancy and birth. The opinions and the views of the guests on the Better Birth Podcast are their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Better Birth or Erin Fung. Mm-hmm.